You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Laura McEldery and you are listening to the What's Up Next podcast. Hi, this is Todd, and you are listening to the What's Up Next podcast. Hi, this is Mrs. Physician on Fire, and you're listening to the What's Up Next podcast. Welcome to What's Up Next, where your hosts, Paul David Thompson and Doc G, take the discussion on topics in the financial independence movement to the next level. Guest panelists share their opinion to questions that don't have clear answers to help you refine your path to financial independence. Welcome. This is Paul David Thompson from Ready Investor One. And this is Doc G from Diversify.com. So, Paul Thompson, what's up next? Hey, Doc. I think we're really going to enjoy this conversation today because it's not something we've touched on yet. And the question is, how does it feel to be married to a high-wage earner? And we have three spouses of high-wage earners on the panel today that will comment on what their experience is and what it's like going through that experience. So let's jump right into the introductions and let's have Laura. Can you go first, please? Sure. This is Laura McKeldery and I have a podcast at Married to Doctors. I'm married to a trauma surgeon. He's been in practice for less than a year, and I'm happy to be here. Well, we're happy to have you here. We'll move over to the other half of Chief Mom Officer, Chief Dad Officer. Can you give us a quick intro, please? Hi, I am the Chief Dad Officer. I'm a stay-at-home dad, and that's pretty much it. Pretty much what we wanted, so I'm glad you're here. All right, Mrs. POF, can you give us a quick introduction, please? Yeah, hi, I'm Mrs. POF. I'm married to the physician on fire. He's an anesthesiologist and he has his own blog. I'm a wife, a mother, I'm a dietitian by trade, and uh, I'm thrilled to be here. We are happy to have you all. Laura, I'd like to start with you today. When you and your husband first got married, if I remember correctly, you were both teachers. And I imagine there was this vision of you working for decades together as teachers, maybe in the same school system, maybe having the same vacations, having the same summer vacations. And at some point, he decided he wanted to become a doctor. Was it implicit in your conversation that it would not only change his trajectory, but your career trajectory too? Honestly, what I thought at that point was, I'll be able to teach anywhere I go. And so I still imagined myself teaching when he went to medical school. Then, you know, life happens, things get complicated. You throw in a few children, you move a couple times, you realize you need to get your licensure for every state. You realize, hey, maybe we're only going to be there for a few years. For example, we spent just one quick year in New Mexico for a fellowship. When you start looking at things like that, you're like, oh, maybe teaching consistently is going to be a lot trickier than I expected. So at least in the beginning, you were imagining that you were going to continue your career for the duration. 
Yeah, I think I imagined myself continuing my career, but I also imagined that my husband would go to medical school in our state, which he did. But then I thought, oh, he'll choose family medicine or pediatrics and we'll be able to just stay in Arkansas. And, you know, so I never thought, oh, I'm going to have to change my licensure to outside of Arkansas. I knew how much he loved our home state. I imagined we would stay there. I imagined we would do residency for a short amount of time. So I had a lot of projections about the future that did not prove true. Chief Data Officer, Laura said life happens. And certainly it seems to me that life happened to you. You were working and the Great Recession came along and you lost your job. And I imagine you were probably are looking for work at the time when you got a medical illness and that took you out for a few months. When you decided to come back, when you felt healthy enough, did you decide to become a stay-at-home dad because it was a choice or did you feel because medically in your health, you weren't able to work yet? Originally, before everything that happened, we would work split shifts. She would work during the day and I would work at night. So pretty much I was technically a stay-at-home dad with a full-time job. You know, I would take care of the kids during the day and I would, you know, get them to all their events, have dinner ready before I went to work at 4.30 in the afternoon. So it's pretty much been the same, except now I don't have to go to the night job to work. Do you think that getting sepsis and then recovering in rehab made you more likely not to want to go back to an employed position? No, I mean, still eventually I would like to return to work. It's just this seems to work out better right now for both of us. I stay home, I take care of everything, you know, my wife needs and the kids need and, you know, it takes a lot of pressure off of everyone else. Mrs. Physician on Fire, unlike Lara, you kind of knew your husband's pathway from the beginning of your relationship, I imagine. Was there a point where you started thinking, hmm, I probably won't work so long as a dietitian, or were your plans originally that you were going to build that career and maintain it? Yeah, that's a good question. So we started dating, I was 22, and we got married when I was still 24, right before I turned 25. And I think at that time, I was very focused on my career. I had been in college since I was 17. I had big aspirations, and I had a master's degree. And I just really um, never envisioned staying at home. And I did work right when I finished my internship. We built our dream house, and I was employed by a local college teaching a nutrition class. And I envisioned doing that for a while. And then I envisioned having kids and maybe going back to clinical work. But again, life happens. Thank you, Laura, for saying that. And we didn't end up staying where I thought we were going to stay. We've moved a couple times. And since that first move, I've never been back to full-time employment or any employment, actually. Laura, you've mentioned before, I think it might have been in your Kevin MD post or one of them, that being married to a doctor, it's like having a third partner in the relationship. Is there ever any resentment there for the profession or even in a sense for your husband and how busy he is? Oh, sure. I think that's one reason I started the podcast was I had kind of gone through a transformation 
so I started out super excited about the fact that my husband wanted to go to med school and be a physician. I thought he would make a great physician and I was really proud of him. And I thought it was kind of a romantic idea as well. I'll be honest. Neither one of us had physicians in our families or had really any idea of what we were getting into. And so I started off kind of in a romantic honeymoon phase with medicine. And then as time went on, I thought, wow, this is really not adding up for us. We had additional stresses along the way. Like we had a son that had a tumor during medical school and that added, I think, layers of stress that made things even more challenging. Then we also had some moves and my husband struggled with his career choice for a while as a surgeon and all of these things kind of added up and I thought, man, we are just giving so much to medicine. And eventually I worked through all of that and came to realize that my husband was in fact meant to be a trauma surgeon and I made peace with that decision. And as I kind of went through all of this, I thought, wow, you know, I wonder how many other physician spouses are dealing with things like this. And I belong to several Facebook groups and I've talked to hundreds of physician spouses on my podcast and online and over and over again, many sentiments come up, resentment, loneliness, frustration. Sometimes people feel like they're in competition with medicine. We feel like it's their mistress you know, they answer every night, you know, on the phone. So there are a lot of those feelings and there's a lot of things as physician spouses that we can feel like we sacrifice, but it is this really fine line between feeling so proud of what your spouse does and totally knowing that that's where they should be in their career and also not having that resentment. And so sometimes I feel like on the podcast, I'm walking this tightrope between saying, yeah, it's really hard, but yes, we really love it too. And so it's that balance that we try to hit as physician spouses that's tricky sometimes. That tricky balance, Chief Data Officer, I'm wondering about, because I think it's easy for us to talk about physician and physician spouses, but I think this happens with all high income earning spouses. Are there ever times as chief mom officer is leaving in the morning dressed professionally and on her way to meet adults and have adult conversations where you look over at the kids and kind of wish, hey, I wish I could be getting out of here and feeling more like a grown up. Yeah, I think everyone who's a stay-at-home parent feels the same way, like from time to time that they need that adult interaction that our spouse is getting every single day. Mrs. Physician on Fire, when you make a decision to be the stay-at-home parent, does it change the way you interact with money and who makes financial decisions in your family? Yeah, no, because as a dietitian, you don't make anything anyways. So Leaf has always been the primary income earner. But I do have to comment on the sacrifice to medicine because there were years and years where the kids were so young and the pager was going off or there was, you know, all these different committees that were just thankless work and missing dinners. There was days where the children were getting up after my husband was already out the door because you have to be in the OR so early and coming home and the kids had already been in bed for two hours. Like there was probably stretches of five, six days where maybe he didn't see the kids all that much or at all. So there is a sacrifice to medicine and there's a sacrifice to the pager. The pager runs a lot of our evenings around here. So, Laura, how do we deal with that sacrifice? How do we not feel like we are the spouse that gets put upon all the time? Uh, it's tricky, right? And I don't know that there's one answer that fits all. I think physician spouses vary in personality. You know, the only thing we really have in common is the fact that we're all married to physicians, right? And that's been one of the fascinating things on my podcast is seeing the variety of people that are married to physicians. So, you have high income earners. 
you have lots of dual physician couples. Then you have lots of physician couples where the spouse maybe had a career or higher education, but has put that aside. Because of the demands of medicine, they felt like for family life, you know, it makes sense that one of us stays home, especially when you have young children. And I think that's when a lot of things hit at once. You know, you come out of training and that's usually the time of life that has made sense to start a family. It's usually the time of life when you have the most debt. So you're low on debt, the kids are little and they're new in their job. So it kind of all hits at once. As far as dealing with it, different things work for different people. For some, it is keeping their career going. That's very important to them. It's a big sense of their identity. They couldn't imagine themselves not working. And I encourage physician spouses to definitely work if that's what they want to do, by all means, do it, you know, make, find a way to make it happen. For others, when staying home does make sense, I think the important thing is that you just honor your choice, whatever it is. So for me, when I first started staying home, I missed working. So I would find myself like doing these ridiculous Google searches for jobs I never knew I could take, right? Like we're only going to be here a certain amount of time. Why am I even looking on Google for these jobs? And so I was kind of just tormenting myself. Once I came to really accept, hey, I am doing what's right for my family right now, and I came to honor that choice and have more peace with that choice, then I was okay with it. So, you know, hopefully everyone doesn't go through that same struggle I went through, but I think it is a common struggle. Chief Dad Officer, do you find yourself doing what Lara was talking about, kind of still looking at the wanted ads? Do you see yourself maybe getting back into the workplace and what would be the trigger that would cause that? Well, I don't think there'd be a trigger. I think eventually, maybe when my uh, youngest son goes to like full day school, I'll probably look for a part-time job and get back into the workforce. It will happen, you know. I mean, it's nice being a stay-at-home parent, but, you know, I I do need that adult interaction and such. Do you think it's harder to be a stay-at-home parent as a dad? No, I, I don't think so. I think, you know, it's everyone has to have the same exact challenges, you know, being a stay-at-home parent. You know, we do the exact same thing. It's just one person's a female and one person's a male. It's the same exact thing. And it, I always laugh when I see, like, the father who always works and the mother who has to go out of town and he has the kids and like everyone's like, oh, how are you going to deal with that? And then I just go, he's going to deal with it just like everyone else will deal with it. And then everyone tends to clam up after I say something like that. Well, good for you for saying that because there is a social pressure, that, at least that I have seen around other people who are stay-at-home dads. I have a good friend of mine I grew up with who is a stay-at-home dad now, and he feels a little bit of this uh, failure syndrome or something about not earning an income being a male in our society. And so do you not have any of that or do you just, just not accept it? When I first stayed at home full time, yeah, I did, you know, feel like a little guilty, like, you know, she's off working super hard to support the family and I'm at home all the time. You know, I I think everyone goes through that at first, but eventually uh, I got over that. You worked through it. And so I'm curious to Laura, Mrs. Positional Fire, did either of you feel a similar pressure and do you feel like it would have been different from a man being in the same position? I think this is a really fascinating question. And I've talked to many physician spouses that are male as well. And some of the things that come up with them as stay-at-home parents is that they 
maybe feel like they have a harder time fitting in simply because there's maybe not enough in the community for them to do. So they try to hang out with like the moms meetup, but then they feel like, you know, some kind of weirdo creeper because they're the only male there. And so that can make them, you know, feel a little odd. But one thing I wanted to point out is sometimes when a male is married to a female physician, they often are told things like, that's so supportive of you. How wonderful, you know, woohoo, women in medicine rock, you know, yay, 50% of physicians are female and, you know, hashtag female docs and all this stuff, right? Whereas when you're the female married to a male physician, it's like, oh, that's been going on forever. And what did you not have any ambition at all? You know, you're kind of like, well, wait a minute, you know, just because I'm on this end of it didn't mean I didn't have any ambition. I agree. I think that being a female married to a male physician is almost a stereotype. Like, I think people envision my day very much at this in the salon, having my nails done, when really I'm running a household much like the chief dad officer. We've got to go to the grocery store. Dinners need to be planned. The house has to be kept in some sort of order. And we do have a few male stay-at-home dads in the local area that come to some of our women's groups and there's not that much support for them. And I feel when they do show up, I'm happy to have them there, but we don't have much in common. And as a stay-at-home mom, it's almost not appropriate for me to be spending my days with another man. Like, there's certainly no one on one interaction between the stay at home mom and stay at home dad pairing. If there's a bunch of stay at home moms around, we love to have the stay at home dads come. But if it's just one stay at home mom, I'm not going to invite a stay at home dad to my house during the day. It feels strange to me. Chief Dad Officer, this gets down to a sense of identity. Is it hard to feel a sense of identity as a stay-at-home dad? Do people know what to make of you? I haven't really encountered like any negativity towards it. I mean, I did get like one comment from uh, some guy when I had the kids, you know, during the day and he goes like, oh, it looks like you got a little, a lot of little helpers there today. And I say, I got them every day. And the guy absolutely didn't know what to say when I responded to that because he just couldn't process it, I don't think. Laura, let's turn the script a little bit. When you have this high wage earning spouse, do they understand the difficulty of being the stay-at-home spouse? I mean, if you went out of town for a week or two, how would it be for your husband and the five kids? I think that's relationship dependent. I think that's individual dependent. I mean, let's be honest, like some women are natural nurturers and some less so. Some men are just like those super dads that swoop in and have no problem giving the bubble bath and putting kids in PJs. And some dads are like, I'd really rather not do that. So it's really hard to comment on this because it is so individual right? It is very individual. I'm very fortunate to be married to someone who helps when he can. And in fact, I'm going out of town next week and he'll be taking care of things. I will say it does help as the kids get a little older and a little more self-sufficient, but that helps both of us. Like we're both super excited (laughs) that we're not in diapers anymore. Lara mentioned Superman and of course, Mrs. Physician on Fire. I'm thinking of Mr. Physician on Fire. Was there a learning curve with him and the kids? I mean, at some point, I imagine his career was a lot busier than it is right now. Was it hard for him to transition into taking a more active role in the moment-to-moment care of the kids? 
I think we're yet to be seen on that. It's going to happen very soon where he's going to be around all the time. Definitely when the boys were younger, you know, being a stay-at-home parent and also a nursing parent, most of it fell on me. He did have to be up so early for work, so definitely all the nighttime stuff. But he's taken a very active role when he is around. In the beginning of his career, he just simply wasn't around very much. And towards the middle of his career, he was around a bit more. And now he's around pretty frequently. Even now, he's only working 0.6 times. So he does a lot with us. And I do go on a family vacation, just women, every other year. And I think he does great while I'm gone. And I think he really has a high appreciation for me when I get back. I think all stay-at-home parents should just take off for a week and let the other parents see what it's like to run the household 24-7. It's an eye-opener and it can uh, balance out the appreciation. I'm interested in this idea that people who subscribe to this FIRE lifestyle, the financial independence retire early lifestyle, they kind of change the script because at some point mid-career, they say, maybe I want to stop being such a high wage earner. Was that odd for you when you first started talking to him about this, this idea of, okay, I'm not working anymore. I'm home with the kids. You're the wage earner, but now you're saying you don't want to be the wage earner? Yeah, this was only, I think, three or three and a half years ago that my husband really started looking at our finances with a fine tooth comb saying, we don't actually need to be working like this anymore. And I've always been very supportive, very on top of it. If whatever he wants to do is great because we've been together since I was 22 and right from day one, he has been a provider, financial provider when I quit working, but also just supportive, emotional provider. Like I trust him fully with what he wants to do with our lives. And I think that when you're married to someone that you know prioritizes you and your children first, it's easy to take a back seat and say, yeah, you can quit your job. I trust you. Lara, I can imagine you've already gone through a major transition with your husband once when he said that he's going to go from being a teacher to a doctor. What if in five years he says, okay, I'm done. I've had enough being a doctor. How would that feel? I would be surprised if the numbers work for us in five years. <laughs> we, are, we are less than a year into attending salary. So we're still in the payoff debt, uh, not RE, retire early phase. And, you know, it's funny, a lot of people are retiring and we're, we feel like we're just getting started. So I don't know that that will be us. But I also know that my husband gets a lot of joy and satisfaction out of work. So I don't have a problem with him continuing to work either. I think that that can also be a good choice. Yeah, I think the only reason it works for my husband and I is because we both went straight through high school, college, higher academics, got married at a young age and had kids right away. And that is not the career path or the you know lifestyle path for a lot of people nowadays. They're waiting to get married, which is totally respectable. They're waiting to have kids, which is also respectable. And then you get just kind of a later start on your finances. Chief Data Officer, this makes me think about careers and whose decision it is when we decide on career changes. Do you feel like what Chief Mom Officer does with her job is both of your decisions or is it much more of an individual decision of what she decides to do with her career? Do you have a say in whether she goes for a promotion or not? I would say that ultimately it's what she decides. It's what she wants and what she decides. You know, I can make suggestions to her on what I think she should do, but ultimately it's her decision like it is anyone else's decision. It's like if I decided on doing something, you know, I'd ask her advice and ultimately it would be whether or not I would go and do it. 
Lara, I think about this a lot. When you have two spouses who have separated their responsibilities so much, does it sometimes feel like one spouse has more a say over money and how it's spent than the other? I've definitely heard some high wage earners on the podcast and in other places kind of say, well, I'm the one who makes the money before they try to justify when they make a financial decision. Do you ever feel that stress at home? Oh boy, that's tough. I think a lot of couples you know, do fight over money. Unfortunately, money comes up time and time again as a place of, you know, maybe confusion or contention in a marriage. And for us, it's so funny because when I met Josh, he was going to be a math teacher and he was a math major. And I remember telling him when we were engaged, look, the only thing I remember my parents fighting about is money. So if you'll just like take care of the checkbook and the bank accounts, you're the numbers guy, we'll go with it. And he was like, yeah, I can handle that. You know, because of course he told me what I wanted to hear. We were engaged, right? (laughs) And then life went on and uh, he got so busy with medical school and things that I ended up being the ones to take care of the bank account, take care of the billing, take care of the family budget and stuff like that. And so honestly, in our home, he may make the money, but I have a lot more say on kind of where we're putting the money. And I've been the one to do a lot of the research on things like disability insurance or 529s for the kids or like just different things like that. Like it's fallen on me as the spouse to look at those things simply as a matter of time. And also it's kind of on my radar. Mrs. Physician on Fire, my wife and I have had this long standing conversation about her working. And from the beginning of our relationship, one of the things she always kind of said is, I want my children to grow up seeing me work seeing me be a professional. Do you ever worry about the consequences on your children's upbringing of having one spouse who is a wage earner and one who isn't? I would say no. I think that as my kids have gotten older, they're taking over more household responsibilities. They certainly see that I'm not, you know, sitting at home in front of the TV or anything. They've seen me work. I mean, we just had a house showing this weekend where I cleaned for probably three days straight just to have the house show ready and showed them that, talked to them about that. They've definitely seen Leaf work a lot. They know that he's missed out on, well, not as much as some physicians, I should say, because definitely they've done a great job of being present for piano recitals and things like that. I know a lot of dads don't get to do that. A lot of working parents miss things. He hasn't missed too much, but they definitely have seen him getting paged during dinner, having to rush in for something when maybe we plan to go to a movie or go get ice cream. So I think they're going to have a at least a memory of how hard we worked. They probably are not going to experience that in the next five, 10 years. (laughs) I don't think we'll be working a lot. Chief Dad Officer, how you feel the effects of having a stay-at-home dad are on your children. Do you think they will benefit from it? Do you think they'll, you know, they, they will or won't do things differently as adults? I think they'd benefit from it. I think, you know, it won't have any adverse effects on them whatsoever. I think they'll be fine when they become adults. Laura, let's transition a little bit. I want to talk about your mission statement. The mission statement for your podcast, you said, is making successful homes happier. And I'm interested in that dichotomy. Does success not equal happiness? Nope. (laughs) I mean, in short, no, I I don't think that it does. I think there are many people that can become successful. We kind of have these checklists in our mind. I mean, you talk to a lot of physicians and, you know, they've maybe been honor students since junior high. I mean, certainly that's not the case with everyone, but with a lot of them, you know, they've kind of like gone through their life 
quote unquote, doing the right thing. You know, making the right choices to get them in the right position, to get into medical school, to get into residency, to get into a good job, you know, and on and on it goes. And a lot of times I think you kind of have this aha moment where you go, what are we doing? You know, what is the point of all of this? And I think we can be successful by those kind of worldly standards of success, but I don't think that that brings happiness. And I think if we look at the world at large, we know that there are plenty of people happy, you know, eating their own mango and pineapple off the tree in the small Polynesian islands or whatever. And, you know, they're happy, you know, they're happy. So what does it mean to be happy? I think that has to be defined. For many physicians, being happy does mean using their talents, right? To become a physician. And so that's part of their happiness journey. But I don't find many people are happy if they're kind of just like one track mind, if that makes sense. I think for most people to find happiness, they need more than just one focus. And what happens in physician marriages, at least with people I've talked to, is when the focus is just on medicine, because it demands that of us, we can become unhappy because we're unbalanced. Mrs. Physician on Fire, I'd ask you a similar question. In the realm of medicine, do we mistake career success for happiness? Is this something you see in your community? Absolutely. Yes. And money too. I mean, people think if the more money you have, naturally the happier you are. And we all know can't buy happiness. And so I think that Lara's right. There's a lot of pressure on these physicians from a young age to be very successful. It's very competitive. And then when you finally meet all these bench points for success and you think, wow, I've done it, then the rest of your career looks pretty long. I mean, it's a long path to that kind of you know long-term career that most physicians have and the, the obligation that some physicians feel to their community and what they went through to get that status. Tell me how people respond to the idea of physician on fire leaving the workplace. Is there a lot of backlash? You know, if there's a lot of backlash, it's mostly behind our backs, I think. I think, uh, you know, at this point in time, it is not a secret anymore. Some people are very open about knowing. Other people just drop a hint or two that they know. And that's all fine. We've never been that secretive about it. But a lot of people want to know how we got where we are and don't want to ask the questions. And then some people are just kind of envious, but not realizing that we all have the potential to save money and to kind of lead down this path of financial independence. Anyone can take this path, especially some high earning individuals can take the path that we did. And it does call for some sacrifice. Speaking of sacrifice, Chief Dad Officer, could you and Chief Mom Officer have switched places? I mean, if it wasn't for a twist of fate, could she have been the stay-at-home mom and you have been the high-wage earning dad? I think anything's possible, but honestly, the way Liz is, I think she would get very bored being at home all the time. You know, she likes to keep busy. You know, she's always actively reading, doing a project. I think it could be a possibility, but in the end, I think she would want to keep busy with work, possibly not in the same career, maybe something a bit more meaningful. Lara, is this a common concern? You talk on the podcast to a lot of spouses of physicians, and especially if you have a high wage earning spouse and do decide to stay at home or at least decide to put your own career on the back burner, is there ever this concern that divorce could cause you not to have a profession and not have a means of income? 
Well, I think if you're at the point where you're willing to give up your career, your marriage is probably in a pretty strong and stable spot. So when you make that choice, the intention is that you're going to be married long term, right? I don't think anyone's going to make the choice to give up their career if they think their marriage is in a bad place. So yeah, I think if you're going to put your career on the back burner, then then your marriage is probably in a strong spot. The intention is to stay married for a long time. I don't think anyone with a head on their shoulders is going to give up their career if they think their marriage is on the brink. So yeah, I think this works best in strong marriages where both support each other. I think it's very important for the non-physician spouse to be supportive of the physician and likewise for the physician to be in support of the spouse. This is Physician on Fire. Do you feel like you your life is going to reset when your husband stops working? I mean, all of a sudden, he's going to be around a lot more. Uh, Will your roles change? I don't think so. I think our roles are pretty cemented at this point. I've always, right from the get-go, kind of been the lead parent in deciding what, you know, I have these crazy ideas. Like our oldest son turned three and I was like, I think I want to start him in piano. And then of course, you know, what three-year-old do you know starts piano? And my husband's like, well, there's this piano on Craigslist. It's a hundred bucks. Let's get it. And that's kind of how I've always been supported by him. I come up with crazy ideas and he thinks they're great. And then when he tells me he's going to retire at age 43 and I think, well, that's crazy, but go ahead and do it because that sounds fun. So it is a very supportive role. And I feel as supported by him as I feel I support him in his career. Let me transition Chief Dad Officer a little bit. Tell me your first impressions when Chief Mom Officer started talking about financial independence. Was that something you related to as a stay-at-home dad? At first, I was kind of against it. I've never been good with money as far as I can remember. If I got it, I would spend it. But after a while, it started to grow on me. You know, it's like uh, when we first married, got married, said, oh, we should have an emergency fund. I said, emergency fund? What are we going to use that for? And then, you know, the whole thing happened with me. You know, I, I went into septic shock and everything. And then I saw how it could really be beneficial. And it's a good thing. And I am... 100% on board with it now, and I see what good comes of it. Laura, sometimes I think we live in an echo chamber, and so it's easy for the people I hang out with, especially the ones who are physicians, we talk a lot about financial independence. Do you think this is a conversation physicians and spouses are having in general or only in our little small community? Honestly, I think in your little small community, I don't know. You know, I think people talk about finances, but I honestly don't think the majority of physicians think that they are going to retire early. I could be wrong. I think most people that become physicians intend to practice, you know, 20 to 30 years, but that's what I think. You're right, because when anybody talks to us and we say, yeah, we're heading out on a sabbatical, Leaf is retiring, immediately they can't wrap their head around that. So I think if they were having their own financial independence conversations, they would be you know, more aware of how it's being done. They wouldn't be confused by how we are doing it or in shock that we're actually capable of doing it. Yeah. And to be fair, not everyone wants to do that. Some people really want to practice medicine and they want to continue to practice medicine. They may want to cut back on how much they practice medicine. And I think they may look at their finances in that way. Like, how could I cut back? But I don't think everyone's looking to retire early. And, you know, sometimes they don't want to. And sometimes physicians, they kind of like it. One thing I hear from physician spouses sometimes when we were talking earlier about, you know, resentment or, or staying at home parent versus working parent is, you know, those career cookies 
you know, I've had listeners say, oh my gosh, they get all the career cookies and there aren't any career cookies for the stay-at-home parent. And so, you know, some people just like the feeling of accomplishment of going to work every day. It's a feeling of, you know, contributing to the community and of working hard and it's how they imagine spending their time. They put value on doing those things and so that is how they want to choose to spend their time. Not that it's right or wrong to do it a different way, but I think there's just many ways to look at it and people have different value systems and their own choices. So Laura, I'd like to uncover that a little bit more. How would you define a career cookie? What exactly is that? I think it's just the accolades. Like, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but I certainly have as a spouse when someone finds out like you're married to a doctor, they like, you know, they might treat you different. Or sometimes you hear about like the doctor tax, right? Like the contractor comes by to to cut the tree down in the yard and they they see the mailman drop off something for doctor so-and-so and and so then they upcharge you, right? Just things like that. But sometimes I think the career cookies might just be like a sense of importance. But I think for some people, you know, they like that sense of importance when they're in the hospital. They like the idea of being able to use the knowledge that they have to help others. And they spend a lot of time getting it and they want to continue working. A lot of physicians aren't content not to work. You know, you hear about physicians that could easily retire and choose not to, you know. So I think there's just a variety of people in the world and a variety of choices that can be made. Speaking of a sense of importance, Chief Dad Officer, do you see yourself going back to work soon? Not for about two years, because that's when he uh, goes to full-time school. That's when he starts like full-day kindergarten and such. And then, you know, I'll probably start looking the summer before he goes and see if I can establish something at that point. Mrs. Physician on Fire, any dietitian work in your future? No, I don't think any dietitian work, but I do have a dream of like working at a coffee shop. Part-time, of course, and mostly social. Maybe I'll make coffee, but no, just to kind of get out and do something fun, like might find me in a coffee shop in Mexico someday. Lara, any interest in having more than five kids in front of you and giving them lessons? I do. I do love teaching. At this point, I'm just really focused on the podcast. It's a lot of fun and I kind of look at it as a way to teach and to kind of be a voice for others and I really enjoy it. So at this point, not planning on returning to the classroom, I have thought about it off and on. I guess I'll just see how the podcast does over the next year. I have one last major question for you guys. I'm going to start with Chief Dad Officer. Who manages the day-to-day financial decisions in your house? Who pays the bills? Who balances the checkbook? Chief Mom does that all. Lara, day-to-day, who writes the checks? Uh, Day-to-day, that would be me. Mrs. Physician on Fire. Mr. Physician on Fire talks a big game. He's always writing about (laughs) investments, et cetera. But who's the one who's got the checkbook and pen in hand? It's all him. Okay, so let's take this conversation back to the original question, and I'll give each of you a chance to give your last words on how does it feel to be married to a high wage earner and answer it in the context of what the audience might be listening to. You might be talking to somebody who's in the same spot that might relate very much to your story. So, Laura, how does it feel to be married to a high wage earner in your circumstance? Several children, you had your life turned upside down from a last minute or a kind of a spur of the moment change of career. What is it like? 
you know, after five kids and 17 years of marriage and 10 years of training after medical school or 10 years, I guess a couple of those years were attending years and then back to a fellowship and then back to attending. It feels wonderful. I am not going to lie. I love it. I'm so proud of him. I'm glad that he makes a great income. He could go double it or triple it and I would just be thrilled with that. No problem at all. He's worked really hard. I think it's a great feeling to know that we can have enough to meet our needs and also many of our wants at this point. I think it's great that we are in a position where we can give back sometimes. And even though we've been out of training for less than a year, I'm amazed at how comfortable we can be with just applying a few basic financial principles and living within our means. And I think it's a wonderful feeling and I couldn't be more proud to be married to a hardworking doctor. Well, thank you for being on here and sharing. Mrs. POF, was it worth it going through the crucible? Uh, How how does it feel to be married to a high income earner that has been able to set your family up for financial independence? Totally worth it. Of course, I came on much later in the path to his career because he was already in residency. But I am so proud of him and we've really grown as a couple. So, you know, now with his talents, he does mission work and we're able to go to third world countries and do things that so few people can provide. I mean, anesthesia is a certain skill set that not everyone can do. And I can't believe that this is where we're at in his life and his career. Every year has been better than the previous year. So it just gets better and better. I think there is a responsibility. We are very big into charity. And when you do make the higher income, I think it increases your responsibility to give back to communities and make sure that your children are learning values. We're not trying to leave them a legacy of financial inheritance. We're trying to leave them a legacy of financial responsibility, really, and our values. What do we think is good living and pass that on to the next generation too? Wonderful. It's good to know that it can be done. That's the whole point about what's so beautiful about financial independence. If we had just realized that we should be doing this when you guys figured it out, the what it sets up for your life is extraordinary. All right, Chief Dad Officer, what are your thoughts on how does it feel to be married to a high wage earner? It feels awesome. It really, truly does feel awesome. You know, uh, by her working, I could watch the kids grow up, become the adults they're going to be in a few years because it's such a short time. And she's absolutely amazing at what she does in her career. And I wouldn't want to stand in her way. I'm very, very incredibly proud of her and what she does. Well, I'm sure she's also incredibly proud of you because of what you're doing. This idea of spending more time with your kids and being able to is one of the great powers of financial independence and being able to bring down a high or at least one person bringing in a high income, right? So I'll give each of you a chance to promote yourself, anything you're doing and let the world know where to find you and what's up next in your life. So Laura, what is going on in your life and where can we find you? Thanks. So you can find me at MarriedToDoctors.com or where Whenever you listen to this podcast, I podcast at Married to Doctors and there's a new podcast every Thursday. What's coming up is more great interviews, stories from others married to physicians and doing a couple speaking things too. I'll be speaking nearby in Joplin, Missouri, but I'm also speaking out in Boston in May. So I'm excited about that. And yeah, just happy to be here and appreciate the opportunity to be on the show. 
Yeah, well, thanks for all you do. You have a fantastic podcast and Podcasters Unite because it is amazing what it's like to talk to other people who do the same thing and you just learn so much from it. So I'm glad you're on here. All right, Mrs. Physician on Fire, what is up next for you guys? I think I know, but you might have some surprises for us that you might want to share with us. And where can we find you? We know where to find Physician on Fire, but could we find you? You can't find me anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not to be found, but you're welcome to follow my husband, Physician on Fire, with his blog or tweets or Facebook. And next for us is early retirement. His last day of work is August 12th, and then we are hitting the road. We fly to Ecuador in October, and after that, the world's our oyster. Fantastic. All right, Chief Dad Officer, how about you? Can we find you someplace, or do we have to only go to Chief Mom Officer? And what's up next in your life? Go to chiefmomofficer.org. You can find her Instagram through her site. Uh And every once in a while, there might be an Instagram story with me in it. And it's like I think the other day I was teaching everyone how to cook pizza. Ah. through her Instagram. So, but you could find me mentioned in a few of her articles at uh, chiefmomofficer.org. All right. This has been the What's Up Next podcast. On behalf of myself, Doc G, and my co-host, Paul Thompson, we wanted to thank Chief Dad Officer Lara from Married to Doctors podcast and Mrs. Physician on Fire. If you would like to get updates on what Doc and I are thinking up next, you can text the word NEXT to 345-345 so you can get notified of free giveaways, opportunities to engage with the What's Up Next podcast, and maybe even be a guest on the podcast. We're adding consistent content to our Facebook group, and you can get access by texting the word NEXT to the number 345-345. That's a wrap. You made it through, guys. You, awesome. you are you have survived your first podcast. Laura, you're so well spoken. Jeez. Oh <laughs> I've been podcasting for over a year now, so I feel a little more comfortable, but I yeah. still still got a little nervous. I'm like, oh financial independence, don't get into numbers. I don't know what y'all are talking about. Numbers. Oh, I, numbers. I yawn a lot when I get anxious. And so I felt like I had to yawn like the whole time. So I'm like intake of air, intake of air. We thought we were just boring you. <laughs> the chief dad officer looks like he's in a coma. Like you're half awake. <laughs> oh, I'm fine. I'm just not used to this. It's all new all, for me. So. All, all of you nailed it. Feel free to edit out anything I said offensive. Just take it all out. Offensive. So we'll just edit out everything you said. You're yeah, so offensive. That's what I was saying. I don't think you were offensive. I don't know. I was not offended by anything you said anyway, for what it's worth. It's hard. Absolutely not. Uh, hey, Doc, okay. you, uh, you, we should have had our wives just be us on this and represent the, the, the spouse. <laughs> My problem is it would have sounded too good, and then we would have been like, yeah. we would have kept on asking you my wife. You would have been fired by your, by your own <laughs> listeners. I want your wife back. I know. I tried not to get offended when I had my husband on the show, and it was one of the most popular. <laughs> I'm, sure I'm like, dang you. People just wanted to hear what he had to say. It's like, oh, no, where's the pen? Where's the pen? Pretty much. <laughs> You're making me nervous here. <laughs> This is the this is actually the part people mess up most. They don't get the next in the what's up next podcast. More than five children. No, no, we are done with the children. (laughs) No, what I meant is, do you have any interest in going back to be a teacher? Can you give me a couple minutes to think of that? Sure, sure. Thanks. (laughs) It's a it's a heavy question. We've been we've been we've been dancing around it the whole time. Yeah. So going through the crucible was worth it. 
She hesitates. She hesitates. <laughs> I do hesitate. It feels really good to be productive, but a lot of the time it's easier said than done, especially when you need to make time to learn about productivity so you can actually, you know, be productive. But you can start your morning off right and be ready to get stuff done in just a few minutes with the Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day podcast. New episodes drop every weekday, so listen and subscribe to Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts. That's Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts. The corporate world is like the ocean. It's alluring, but it's also full of deadly creatures that can shred you to pieces. It becomes kind of like a Game of Thrones political arena where everyone's trying to murder you to get your job. My family doesn't come from corporate backgrounds, so I didn't have any sort of guidance in that. This is not your typical work podcast. Sometimes you need to be empathetic. And then there are times that you ask for input, but you don't really give a shit. <laughs> Listen to the Ambie Award-nominated podcast, Surfing Corporate. Stretch opportunity. What is a yoga class? Get out of here. <laughs> 